hey, good evening. I almost said good morning. Let's stand together. We're going to worship. We're going to get into the word. Pastor Russ is going to teach us, and he's going to speak in a Roman Italian accent the whole time. You're in for a treat. <laughs> so, God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for bringing us here this evening. Speak to our spirits. Lord, we respond to your word. We respond to your truth. And we say thank you. We worship you. We praise you. We love you. And we're here for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
stop singing of all he's done for me. I won't stop singing of all he's done for me. He heard my cry, sent me on a rock, see me from the hand of the enemy. Oh, I won't stop singing about my Savior. Oh, my Cry. 
Purify, purify 
stuff to God just the stuff that's in my life I just want to release it to you this stuff that is holding me back I don't want to hang on to it anymore I'm not designed to carry it it's not my weight it's not my burden and Lord when we take those steps if we're willing to, to be courageous in those steps he will take those things from us and he will lighten our load we just he allows us to see spirit within us and we have that opportunity every single day and so just in this song I just wanted to encourage you in that and, and, and if you don't mind I want to just go back into that chorus and really just allow God to speak to your spirit do some business with God and it could be singing loud it could be singing quietly it doesn't matter he hears you either way just a just an honest moment with him so let's just go back into that chorus Yeah. 
So great to worship with you guys today, uh, this evening. Um, so what I want you to do is uh, say hello to someone, make sure nobody gets left out. We're going to get set up here in just a second. Good evening. <laughs> oh boy. Well, it's good to see everyone out here this evening, and uh, for our friends online, I uh, hope you're enjoying it. It was just a really lovely worship experience in the house. Uh, thank you very much, Santosh, and um, and we'll look forward to autumn next week if uh, she's she's up for it. Um, this is really cool. We're starting back our midweek service. It's been a little while, hasn't it? So, yeah, a couple months we took the time off. So I'm just so excited to see everybody. And we have a couple people here um, who haven't been able to attend church for different reasons. So really glad to have you guys back, too. And so if you, those online you want to know who that is, you got to come in, and we'll tell you. So 
uh, just a little bit of teasing. So um, I wanted to do just a couple of quick announcements. Um, we have a couple things going on this weekend. There's a women's breakfast, if I'm not mistaken, this this Saturday at um, 9.30, is that right, here at the church? So if you're a lady and you're available, we'd love to have you there for that. Uh, we are also doing a fundraiser for our mission team on the same day, on the 9th, in the evening, to go see Quakes baseball. So if you haven't got your tickets, I believe there's still time to do so. And it'd be a great time to support our missions team and hang out with uh, some of our mission team folks and also our church members, too. And I think we're also starting our men's, Irons Men's Breakfast the following Saturday, right, on the 16th. So if you are available for that, that is at, uh, is it at 9 a.m. or what time? 8 a.m. Okay, good. So you got to wake up a little earlier for that one. So, okay, good. Now, um, the, uh, the one thing I did want to mention real quickly, um, you guys may have noticed uh, for worship, uh, Santosh and Pastor James, they all let me do uh, signing for worship. And um, I, so I just wanted to tell you, I, I got a lot of good feedback from you guys. My hope is that people will be inspired and will want to learn. And then we can do some training. And, um, and I will tell you, uh, signing a song is typically easier because the songs don't change, right? Once you learn the song, it stays the same. And a lot of the signs are similar too. So if you have any interest at all in that, just please come find me, come talk to me. And again, just because you said you want to do it doesn't mean you're going to be up next Sunday, right? We're gonna, we got some time. We're going we're gonna to work through it. And, um, and my hope is we'll introduce this into Wednesday night service too, right? So there's just going to be a lot of opportunities. And so speaking of that, you, know, you may have heard an announcement last Sunday that we are looking for people to run sound as well. And uh, Wednesdays is a great night to practice that too because it's just a lot less going on, right? Uh, as you saw tonight, we got... Uh, one vocalist and with one instrument and then one speaker, right? So there's just a lot of ones in there. Um, but so if you are interested at all, we'd love to train you and show you some of that. But I will tell you, if I have to run sound, I can't be up here signing either, right? So just want to give you a little bit of encouragement. If you want to see signing and worship, we're going to need some help back there um, on Wednesday nights at least. And uh, so, but we do, we definitely have a need on Sunday too. So uh, with that, I think we'll get into uh, into the word. You guys okay with that? All right, so let me pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this, um, this time, this, this place, Lord, for allowing us to gather uh, to be with you, to worship with you as a church family and uh, as church family here in person and online. And so, Lord, we give you invitation to speak to us. And, and Lord, we just thank you for your word. Um, I pray, Lord, that we would, uh, we would receive what you have for us today. Um, as, as your word says, there's many that heard, but, but they didn't understand. There's many that saw, but they didn't really see, if you will. And so, Lord, we want to be the people that hear, and we want to be the people um, that see and understand and be blessed by what you're speaking and what you're doing. So we lay this down, this time down to you, Lord. We ask for your favor to allow us to receive what you have for us tonight. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are going to go into the book of Romans. And uh, so if you guys have never read that, um, you probably should, right? Because you should be Christians reading your Bible. Now, this has been, this has been considered um, possibly the most significant letter ever written. Okay? So we are taking a pretty big journey tonight. Uh, in this, we're going to actually do it in eight weeks. There's 16 chapters. So I will tell you it's very hard to do it justice, right, to cover all the material. But we are going to cover what we feel led as to what God is, is going to have us cover tonight. And um, so this was written by the Apostle Paul. Um, and so not only is it considered the greatest letter, but it could also be the greatest um, you know, book of the Bible as well. And again, I'm not trying to say that all the others are not important. I'm just saying this, these are just some of the people that have, some of the things that have been said about it. And some of the greatest uh, Christians, some of the you know, uh, 
heroes of the faith, if you will, when they read the book of Romans, it really shifted them. You know, and that's, it's even like our church history, right, from the Protestant church branch all the way um, back to Martin Luther and people like John Wesley and, and even Augustine. Uh, this book really helped shape how they thought about God, how they thought about salvation, right? And, um, and so Paul does just a real mighty work here. And of course, all scripture is from God, right? It's, it's God-breathed. So he used Paul to write this, but uh, really a magnificent uh, book that we're going to be looking over. Now, uh, just some things to think about, uh, you know, why, uh, you know, what is it about? Why did Paul write some of those things? So there's going to be a heavy, heavy emphasis on the gospel, right, of how important it is that we understand God's righteous, righteousness and how we're not right, right, and what salvation is, how we're justified, some of those things. And, um, you know, just some of the background stuff, what's interesting is it appears that Paul never actually maybe visited some of these churches in Rome. So, um, so he's... You know, he's helping to, you know, give them direction in their walk, but he personally probably doesn't know very many of them, right? And, and when he would write letters, they would be circular in a lot of times, right? It wouldn't just be one church, right? He wouldn't just write a church, a letter to Water of Life Summit, or Summit Water of Life, excuse me, or our new name, which I'm not going to say yet. But, um, you know, not to just our church, but he would say all the churches in the area, right? We're supposed to kind of pass it around, uh, if you will. And so, you know, when he did that, he had a, he had a certain... Uh, message that he wanted to communicate. And so some might ask too, well, well, how did these churches form? You know, how did the church in Rome become? Because a lot of uh, the churches that we read about in the Bible are because Paul went on a missionary trip and he went to Galatia, right? And then he later wrote to Galatians, right? And, and those kind of things. So all those letters that Paul wrote, uh, for the most part, he was there, right? He helped planted the church. But Rome is not, not one of those. Uh, the book of Romans, if you will. And so uh, one of the ideas is, uh, if you guys remember the Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, uh, when the Holy Spirit fell on everyone, there were people from Rome there at that time. So that's kind of the thinking is, the people who experienced the Pentecost in Jerusalem took back their Christianity to Rome and started building churches. So, so why did Paul write this letter? What were some of the things that he was trying to accomplish? So um, if you look at it, there's some little clues, um, but really the big part is about the gospel, and we're going we're gonna to spend a lot of time on that. Um, but he does, he does write about a couple things, about encouraging the church to live in harmony. Uh, that's towards the end in chapters 14 and 15. And, um, and he was also really, he desired to do some missionary work in Spain. Uh, but to get to Spain, he wanted to go through Rome. And then he also wanted to go to the churches in Rome and um, have them support his missionary work too, right? So he wanted to bless the churches in Rome, but he also wanted them to uh, support his work that was going to be done in Spain. But ultimately, it's going to be about the gospel, and we're going to probably um, talk about that several times tonight, but it's how can we be right with God? That's kind of the question that he's really focusing on, and we're going to park on a couple scriptures there too. So before we get into Romans, because we're going to go through Romans 1 and 2 tonight, not completely, but we're going to, we're going to touch on a couple points. But what I want us to, to see before we even get started in chapter 1, the first 17 verses, Paul is really parking on the gospel. Um, and so he, he says specifically that he himself, Paul, is set apart for the gospel. That's something that God called him to. And in addition to that, that he is a minister of the gospel. That's what his ministry is, is to serve the, you know, is to present the gospel. And not only was he serving, but he also had a desire to preach the gospel. It was on his heart to reach everyone, uh, the Jews and Gentiles, um, with the gospel, if you will. And he, does, he talks about not being ashamed of the gospel, too. We're going to touch on that a little bit, and that's in verse 16. 
And he says the gospel ultimately serves a purpose, and it's the power of God for salvation. Okay, So I really want us to get this idea of how much Paul is emphasizing the gospel. And, you know, again, this is all based on how do we get saved. It's all the work of of Jesus on the cross, right? And it's our uh, response to that. How do we believe? You know, do we believe that we can save ourselves, or do we believe that Jesus is our Savior? And then uh, then we're going to go on to our next favorite topic, which is sin, right? Because everybody loves to talk about sin. So that's what he talks about. We're going to talk about the Gentiles, which would be non-Jewish people, right? And then we're going to talk about uh, the Jewish people, right? So that's kind of it at a high level. So let's get started. We're going to go to Romans 1, um, chapter 1, and we're going to read a couple verses. And I'm going to have you guys uh, put up Romans 1, 1, if you don't mind. And we'll go ahead and read. So Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, and he's set apart for the gospel of God. Go ahead in verse 2. Which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And, and before we go on, so he's, he's going to say, you know, because when they write a letter back then, they would say, I'm the author, Paul, and he's given some credentials now, and he says who he's going to write to. And so it doesn't get to like verse 6 or 7, when he, or 7, excuse me, when he says I'm writing to the Romans. But he says, okay, remember, uh, there's a very good chance that the, the Roman church may or may not have known Paul. So he has to kind of explain who he is and what he's writing about. And so when he says he is a Christian, basically, right? Paul's a Christian, and he's a servant of God, and for the gospel, which is from God, and now he's going to go ahead and explain how this has been God's plan from the beginning, okay? So all these verses that follow, he's going to say, like he said, he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture. Let's go to verse 3. Concerning his son, and you notice that's capital, which would be Jesus, who was descended from David, Right? So that means after David came, in the lineage of David, came Jesus' the son, according to the flesh, and we'll go to verse 4, and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. And let's just pause there for a minute. We'll go back a second. Um, so he says, declared to be the son of God. So again, just to summarize, Jesus is the son of God, and it says, what was the defining moment? How did we know that Jesus was the Son of God? It was by his resurrection from the dead, right? Because anybody can declare, hey, I'm the Son of God, I, I live a good life, I did these things, right? But it wasn't until his sacrifice that he resurrected that it was, you know, really solid proof, right, um, that he is the Son of God. So that resurrection is very important. Um, let's go to the next verse, verse 5. It says, through whom, through Jesus, we have received grace um, and apostleship, to bring, about, excuse me, to bring about the obedience of faith. And so I want you to just remember that phrase. We're going to talk about that in a second. The obedience of faith for the sake of his name. Whose name would that be? Jesus' name among all the nations. And then we'll go to verse 6. Including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. And we'll go ahead and stop there. So he gives us a really elaborate um, introduction. But saying, I'm Paul for the gospel that's related to Jesus, and this was something that God had planned from the beginning. He spoke through his prophets, it's in the word, and Jesus came and he fulfilled that promise. And so, ultimately, when it comes to salvation, it's God's power, right? The, the gospel is God's power for salvation. So I think that's a, that's a really good concept for us to understand. And so, God makes us right in his, in his sight. Um, 
So when we, when we look at that obedience of faith, that term, when I was studying that, it kind of, to me, it kind of didn't, I didn't quite grab it, <laughs> this obedience to faith. And now Paul, he does use this phrase actually at the very end of the scriptures too. He uses it in, um, at the very end of 1625 to 27, the obedience of faith. And so what I want you to think about is when we have faith in something, uh, well, the, 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 the reality is we all have faith in something. But if we have faith in Jesus, that's the important part, right? And so if we say we have faith in Jesus and we truly believe that's what God wants, right? But the question is, how do you know if someone is truly a Christian, right? Is it because they profess that they're a Christian? They say, I'm a Christian, so therefore I'm a Christian. But if you really want to know if they're a Christian, how would you know that, right? And so what would you do? You would observe their life, right? You would see how do they talk? What do they do, right? How do they prioritize? How do they treat people, right? How do they treat their family? When they're in a situation, when they've done something wrong, how do they respond to that? Do they blame other people, right? Or do they make excuses? Or do they, you know, take it honestly and say, oh, man, I've, you know, I've made a mistake, and, and do they apologize? Do they work towards forgiveness, right? And do they practice their faith, basically, right? That's what, what we're saying. So the obedience to faith is to say, okay, God, I do believe in you, and now my obedience is to follow your way, right? It's to live the way that you've called us to live. I want to follow your rules. And so, uh, you know, so those are just some of the things that, that would indicate our obedience to our faith. Now, uh, I'm not going to, we're going to skip down a little bit, but I want to summarize just that next section of scripture. Um, Paul makes a very um, heartfelt, um, warm message to say, I really um, appreciate you guys in Rome, right? I really want to be there. Um, I long to be there. Uh, you are in my prayers. I hear of your faith, right? Um, he's very encouraging. And um, it's like he, he really wants to go, but he can't go. He's got these other ministry things that are keeping him, preventing him from going. Um, so he's just expressing his heart there. And when he, uh, when he talks about what he prays for, he's thankful for them, right? He's interceding for them. And he really, you know, he really desires um, to be with those, the Roman Christians there to help them grow. And so, you know, when we think about, you know, some of these things that Paul is, you know, he's really passionate for the gospel. He's really passionate for those people. And we have to ask ourselves, I think, what are we passionate about? You know, what are the things that are on our hearts? What are the things that we spend time on? You know, what do we pray about? Um, what are we thankful for? You know, I think Paul gives us a good model as to with the thoughts that we think, with the prayers that we pray, how do we guide those? How do we direct those things? And so he calls us to, I think, a, a higher standard, if you will. And so this leads us to um, maybe the most most important scripture in this book. There are a lot of really good ones, okay? So I don't say that lightly. We're, you know, there's going to be a lot through here. Um, so that's going to bring us all the way down to Romans uh, 1.16. So I would, I'd like to read that. So let's go ahead and put that on, the, on the, yeah, the board. So Paul is saying, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know, when I first read this, um, you know, there is a lot of powerful things in there, but the word ashamed really stood out to me. And so when I think of ashamed, it just seems very strange that he, you know, he would have to say that specifically. He was not ashamed of the gospel. But then I have to honestly look at myself and I say, are there times where maybe I shy away from the gospel? Or are there times in my life where I don't know if, you know, being a Christian 
is the most easy thing to do right now, right? You know, is there things like that? And, and I was thinking of that one tragedy, if you guys recall, uh, way back, I think it was in Oregon where there was a, there was a shooter and he was, he was calling out Christians. And so he'd go in a movie theater and say, okay, if you're a Christian, stand up. And the people that did that, uh, they ended up getting shot, and I believe, you know, lost their life if they didn't, you know, didn't get really hurt. And I just wonder if I, if I myself was in that situation, how would I respond? Would I be ashamed? Would I just want to keep my life, right? Or would I be willing to stand up? And I know that's a really extreme example, right? We don't typically find, you know, find that type of persecution here in, in, in California and in the U.S., if you will. But it does happen, you know, throughout the world. And, you know, ultimately, you know, Jesus promised uh, several things. He said if, if the world hated him, it's going to hate who? It's going to hate his followers, right? And so that's just part of the territory. Um, but at the same time, he gives us a wonderful uh, promise. He says if we confess Jesus before men, then he will confess us before the Father, right? And so it's a tremendous promise that we get. And, you know, there's just, there's just so much to our faith. And, you know, and, and I was doing a little bit of research too, but it, so in this ashamed portion, it could be contextual, right? It could be cultural in that time. You know, if you think about the Roman Empire, at least in my opinion, um, you know, it's one of the strongest, most affluent, you know, places. And so if you're a Roman citizen, do you really need anything? Do you need a savior, right? You know, again, I'm just speaking of Gentiles, people who don't know Christ, right? If you have everything, you got power, you got wealth, you got education, do you really need God? And then, you know, the way that it, it could be presented was, okay, this, this, this man named Jesus... Uh, who is Jewish, right, which wouldn't really be, um, you know, high marks for a Roman person, right? Be like, that's kind of like a foreigner, you know, maybe from a third world country, you know, kind of thing, might be thinking that. And then on top of that, he died a death of a slave, right, so, like a murderer, you know, he basically was executed. Why would I need that type of a savior, right? And so in that context, as a Roman citizen, I could see how maybe that kind of feeling could come, you know, I would need to be saved by that type of person. And again, I'm just speaking from a human standpoint, right? What, what they might be going through in their mind. But Paul is not ashamed at all. I mean, you can see he's very bold, right? He's, um, he's in love with God. He's in love with the gospel. And he knows that's his role. And so he's specifically, he's not ashamed of the gospel. And he knows it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, right? And that's, that's the main act that we have to do is we have to believe, Right? And, and that's what he's going to be hammering here because if we had to do anything else, it wouldn't be enough, right? Because we would be um, self-righteous, right? We would be, uh, there'd be a way for us to earn uh, God's, you know, uh, a place with him, if you will. But that's just not the case. We cannot pay for the, you know, for debt, the debt of sin, if you will. And so ultimately, we just have to believe. That's our, that's our request. Now, when it comes to the gospel, you know, we just have to be very clear. What does that mean? You know, can we say that in a very simple fashion? And so I just want to give you a couple examples. So when it comes to the, to the gospel, God is saving who? He's saving us, right? And what is he saving us from? From the wrath of sin, right? Very, very simple. And if we look at John 3.16, uh, we have, you know, the scripture that we know. We can go ahead and put that on the board if you don't mind. It says, so for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And I was, I was listening to this message online. It was just a very quick one. And he's just like, it's eight words. God loves, God gave, we believe, and we live, right? It's as simple as that, right? I know there's so much more, 
right? But if we're talking about sharing our faith, understanding the gospel, um, it really doesn't have to be complicated, right? We have to have a, a very, you know, um, firm foundation of what we believe and why we believe it. So when it comes, you know, to the gospel, there's just, there's just so much to it. Now, we're going to go to the next verse, uh, Romans one uh, seventeen, And so go ahead and put that on the board. And it says, For in the righteousness of God it is revealed from faith, for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, this is actually the title of the message tonight, is to live by faith. And that's what we could, we can look through this whole book of Romans and we can say that's what he's encouraging us to do, is to live by faith, right? We believe in Jesus and then we live by faith that God is who he says he is, that his way is the right way. And we have faith in all of those things. And he's also quoting um, one of the prophets, Habakkuk uh, 2.4, in that. But ultimately, Jesus came to substitute, right? His death covered our sins. You know, there's just no physical way that we could have taken care of our own sins. Because here's, here's the reality of it. If we tried to go to the cross, we couldn't even cover our own debt, right? It doesn't matter how good we are. We couldn't even pay back God what, what we owe him in terms of the sin that we've committed. And so this glorious thing of Jesus dying for us, um, this is the main part of Paul's message, is that we're going we're gonna to understand the gospel and we're going to live by faith. So ultimately, we're saved by, by grace, through faith. We walk in faith, right? And our faith in Christ makes us righteous, right? So these are how all these things work, work together. Now, in Romans 1.17, uh, I do like the English Standard Version one, uh, but I did come across one that was more of a paraphrase, so I just want to share this with you. This is a New Century Version. Um, and again, the, the goal of this is not to memorize it, but just to see how it is worded just slightly differently. And so it says, the good news, which is the gospel, shows how God makes people right with himself, that it begins and it ends with faith. As the scripture says, but those who are right with God will live by trusting in him. You know, and so I just want to encourage you to, you know, if, if some of the translations that you read, you're like, hey, I would really like to see another one. Um, there are so many out there. One of the ways that I search for that is I'll take a verse and I'll just say multiple translations online and it'll bring back a whole bunch of them. So it's really uh, very, you know, very handy to do that. Okay, so this is the good part of the message, believe it or not. That was all the gospel, all the way up to verse 17. And now Paul has to, um, he has to flip the script a little bit. He's got to make it really clear. All the goodness that God brings, that the just will live by faith, there's a reason that that has to happen. And that reason is sin. So he's going to, um, I like how we have this distributed, you know, because probably percentage-wise in the room, uh, let's just say the north side, we're going to all be Gentiles over here, okay? And Paul's going to be talking to you right now, okay? So you guys on this side, you guys are in a good place, right? You guys are going to be the Jewish folks, you're going to be good right now, okay? So pay attention, but these, it's mainly for these guys right now, okay? So you guys, this is what Paul would say to you is there is a ton of sin, so much sin, we can't even count it, and guess what? Every single one of you guys is going to sin, right? Every single one of us is going gonna, is gonna to sin. And I'm, I'm going to include myself in the Gentiles. I'll try to be with the good guys here in a second, but, um, but we're going we're gonna to park there. So in, and, and on top of that, he's going to give us like different categories of how we can sin. And so some of those categories are uh, literally by rejecting God. Right? That's one of the categories that we can, uh, we can sin in. Uh, the other one is to have idols. Right? And all that means is to worship something um, that really should be the worship that we give to God. Right? We, we make something more than really what it is. And then 
uh, it comes to different things like immorality, doing things that we're not supposed to, doing things that are clearly against what God asks us to do. And then if that's not enough, we encourage other people to sin too, right? So we replicate our sin. So we reproduce sin. So these are kind of the different categories that he, he talks about. And ultimately what he's saying is we as people, we know what the right thing to do is and we still choose the wrong thing to do. And we're going to get a lot more into that in the later chapters. Okay, so we're going to go to um, verse 18. So if you don't mind, put that on the board. We're going to read uh, through 23 on this. It says, so for the wrath of God, and what I want you to do and put your mind, this is when we sin, what we do is we earn the wrath of God, right? And so the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrrighteousness suppress the truth. And we'll go to 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world um, in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. We'll go to 21, yeah. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Let's go to 22. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and then 23, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Okay, so I want to paraphrase what we just read right there. Uh, what God is uh, saying through his scripture, through this book of Romans, is that for Gentiles, for people who were not Jewish, right, who didn't go to church, it is so plain and obvious through creation that there is a God, but they totally reject it, right? They totally ignore it, don't even pay attention. So when they look at the ocean and go, wow, how, how is that made? You know, there has to be a God, right? There has to be someone who's done that. And so he's saying it's just very clear because God is invisible, right? His attributes, um, we can't see them, but what the work of his hands is plainly visible. Right? So he's saying, even if someone has never been to church, they do not have an excuse because they are logically saying, obviously this came from somewhere, but they're, they're just rejecting it. Right? And so that's one way that we uh, reject God, if you will. And then when it came to um, making idols, right, this is, in that you know, situation, they literally would make statues. Right? They would make false gods with their hands. They would create something that has no life, but then worship it as if it was a god. Now, do you think we still suffer from some of those things today too? Idols, right? And so there's many things, right? It could be the glory for men, right? We, want, we have a reputation. It could be uh, nice things, right? A house, a car, a job, prestige, right? It could be many, many things that we idolize. Uh, it could be sports, any type of thing. And so we, you know, we are susceptible to all of those things. And here's the thing about God. We're going to touch on this again too, but God honors our choices, if we choose to go away from him, we choose to do these things where we reject him, we create idols, um, and we, you know, we worship those things, he's going to let us do that. But the sad part is we've got to pay the price, right? His sin brings death, and we're going to experience that in many, many different ways. And you know, when it comes to uh, just the impact of sin, I wish I could explain it to you, but I can only tell you in a very simple term, we cannot pay it back. Right? We cannot pay the price of sin. We'll feel the effects of it. It may, if we're lucky, if we're fortunate, it may just impact us. But that's typically not how sin works. 
sin impacts us, it impacts the people around us, it impacts generations from us, right? There's so many things that sin does. It's just so um, overwhelmingly dam- you know, damaging, if you will. And so we're gonna uh, we're gonna go ahead and continue on. And um, and so Paul has some more things we talked about rejecting. We talked about idolatry. Let's go to uh, one twenty four. Um, and it says and then and therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, and to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And so um, I'm going to paraphrase the next couple of verses, but he's going to go specifically into um, homosexuality, right? He's going to talk about women with women and men with men. And so he's parking on this for a reason. That must have been very prevalent, right, in that culture. And do we face similar issues today, right? And what I find is interesting about sexual immorality is it basically means anything that has to do with intimacy, right, that's outside of God's design, Right? But he's calling out those specific things right here. Uh, but if we, you know, how do we know what we're supposed to do? I think you guys can all answer this question, but I just want to point you to the scriptures. Right? If you remember, Jesus was asked a question, and it was about divorce. And how did he answer that? He said, well, when it came to the very beginning, when it came to marriage, it was, what, Adam and Eve right, that came together. So the man and the woman is one wife and one man right, came together and were married. And in that context, that's what God blesses for intimacy. So anything outside of that would be considered sexual immorality, right? And so even if it is a man and a woman, but they're not married, right? That would be premarital. That's not, that's not within God's will. And they could be married, and then it's a third person, right? That's where you get adultery, right? And so you have all of these different situations. And what's so powerful about that is, is we're warned in our, in, our body, uh, in our Bibles, excuse me, that when we sin in that way, we're sinning against our bodies, and our bodies are a temple, aren't they? Right? And what's the temple represent? It represents the dwelling place of God. Right? And so in so many ways, um, we're defiling not only ourselves but God and the temple in that specific area. And so he really gets um, very specific on that. And there's many, many warnings about sexual immorality in the scripture. And um, are you guys having fun talking about sin yet? Because we're not done yet. So, okay. So we're going uh, to jump down to verse 29. And we're gonna, he's going to get very specific because he just wants to make sure if anybody still feels like they haven't sinned yet, there is more that we need to cover, right? So let's go ahead and go to verse uh, 29. And it says, and they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, and they were full of envy, murder, strife, decease, uh, excuse me, deceit, maliciousness, and they were gossips. Go to 30. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And then, yeah, just the last one is 32. Though they know God's righteousness decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, not only do they do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Okay? Now, uh, does anybody feel like they have not sinned any of those sins? Go ahead and raise your hand. Anybody? Okay. Now, just because uh, I'm sure you're being silly, but the other, remember it said, it said being disobedient to parents. Like, can anybody say they listened to every single thing their parent told them, right? And so this would be, that would be just showstopper for everybody, right? And that's, you know, we're not even really talking about some rough stuff. I mean, it depends on what your parents were talking about. Okay, but what I'm hoping you're hearing is this whole side, remember, all you Gentiles, 
you now fit in that category, right, of sin. Now we're going to come over here to you guys, over the good guys, the, the Jewish folks on this side. We're going to get to you in chapter 2. And so, uh, so Paul switches. He goes, okay, because all, all the people in the church at this time, you know, if they're Jewish, they're like, yeah, we're still good, right? He's just talking about those Gentiles, you know, Gentiles, those, those Gentiles over there. Um, that was a total mistake. I apologize. I don't even know what that meant. Um, basically, this part of the church, you're in trouble, right? This part of the church, so far, you're, you're good, right? Well, we're going to get to you next. So, uh, and I really didn't mean to invent a word. I think it's because um, uh, Santosh said I was going to speak in a Roman accent, so that, maybe that's what that was for. So, but ultimately, in chapter 2, we're going we're gonna to pay attention to the Jews now, right? And so we'll go into uh, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, um, and let's, yeah, let's just touch on some of these scriptures real quick. And it says, therefore, remember, if you think about the Jewish folks, you have no excuse, oh man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, um, I'm sorry, I can't see that one, you, the judge, practice the very same things. So go ahead and go to verse 2. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things, okay? And so we have to be very careful when we get into this concept of judging, right? Because when we apply rules to someone else, guess what? We're subject to those same rules, right? And, um, I, you know, Pastor James says this a lot, but you spot it, you got it, right? So if you, if you see somebody doing something, what that means is you might have a tendency to do that yourself, right? And so there's just something um, about that, right? Is you're, you're in tune with, hey, that's, that's bad, but it might be because you struggle with that as well. Um, so judgment is, is really tough because, we're, you know, we're going to talk about the law, and it is impossible for us to meet the law, right? It's impossible for to meet every single thing. And that's where Jesus comes into play. Uh, but let's, let's read a couple more scriptures here and we'll wrap up. So we'll go to verse 3. And it says, Do you suppose, O man, and I would say O woman, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them, them yourselves, that you will escape the judgment of God? We'll go to verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? He's going to repeat this thought throughout the scripture. But just because God gives us grace, right, when we make mistakes, it doesn't give us permission to continue in that sin, right? It doesn't give us, you know, permission to continue to lie, to cheat, to steal. It's, he's giving us grace so that he can bring us to him, right? He's not giving us grace so we can just run free and disgrace his name and, yeah, and destroy our lives. That's not what he's, what he's all about. And so we want to be really careful about those things. And, you know, as, as I was preparing for this, one thing I was just thinking about is, you know, I know, uh, so I just want to declare this. Okay, the Jews over here, you're in the bad shape too, right? You guys are not as good as you thought you were in the beginning. Okay, but so we're, we're all under this sin. But when I think about myself, there was obviously a majority of my life I was not in the church, right? And so I would definitely classify myself in the Gentile range. Um, but there's a part where you become saved and then uh, you spend some time with God and then you start to feel maybe comfortable, like you know what to do, right? You're like, oh, okay, well, I already know the rules, right? And so you have an advantage. But if you're not careful, a religious spirit can rise up, right? A self-righteous spirit can rise up. And like, okay, I don't need to spend as much time with God, or it's okay if I miss a day, or whatever it is, right? We just give yourself excuses or permission when you really shouldn't. And all I'm saying is, then we can really say, oh, okay, well, I, since I know the rules, I can be the judge, right, and the referee. And I can tell you where you're missing the mark, right, and what you're doing, doing wrong. And so, you know, we just, so let's just take that in a practical example. 
Um, so I just want you to think about somebody in your life, you know, that doesn't go to church, right? Somebody, or, you know, in your neighborhood, you know, in your family, whatever it is, doesn't go to church. And, you know, there's probably reasons for that. You know, maybe they work on Sunday. Um, maybe they have different lifestyle choices, right? They believe in, you know, different things, whether it's, you know, they just want to hang out and take it easy. They want to drink or they want to watch sports, right? Or they just, they just don't believe what the church believes, all those kind of things. But there are people in our lives that they don't go to church, and we can kind of say, well, it's kind of obvious why they don't go, right? But, you know, I think in our hearts, sometimes we can see things as, I don't know, that's, like, that's not going to change, right? Like that person's never going to come to church. They're never going to get an interest there. And, you know, just even as we're talking about this, I'm, I'm thinking about it too, right? So I'm listening. And, and I'm, just, I'm just picturing somebody that's in my life that I'm starting to build a relationship with. And most of the things they have to say about the church is, it's like, it's not for me, right? And so I'm just, still, you know, constantly just trying to think like, well, where's the opportunity? You know, how, how, how much do I push? How much do I invite? And I'll, you know, I'll just tell you right now, I've just been more observing. I've just been more listening, right? I haven't been pushing that kind of thing. Um, but you know, that, that person represents one, the, one of the 99, right? When you have 99 sheep that are all taken care of and the one has gone away, that person represents that. And, you know, in, and in God's economy, he celebrates when that one comes back, right? When that lost one is found. And so there, there are people like that in our lives for that reason, that we have the opportunity to go reach them um, for the gospel and to, and to help them understand, you know, the things that we're talking about tonight. Um, so in, in the interest of time, I think I want to I wrap up here a little bit. Um, I do want to just jump down to verse uh, 11, chapter 2, verse 11. And what it's talking about here, remember we talked about the, the Gentiles, we've talked about the Jews, and, um, and he makes just a very uh, clear, short statement in, um, in verse 11. So go ahead and put that on there. And what does that say? It says, for God shows no partiality, right? And so in the, in the verses before that, you know, again, he's talking about how great uh, the Jews have had it because they have this privilege, right? They have, they're God's chosen people. I mean, Jesus came to them first, right? He said, my mission is to go to the lost sheep of Israel, right? And he came to save them first, uh, but it was up to them whether they would receive it or not. But ultimately, it wasn't just the Jews, was it, right? It was Jews and the Gentiles. It's for everybody. Um, so they have this great advantage. They have this, um, you know, they're kind of the first to receive the message, the first to uh, be priests to the nations, if you will. Um, but that doesn't mean they're not human, right? It doesn't mean that they don't get it, right? That they're not subject to sin just as much as um, the Gentiles are. So uh, next week, we're going to pick up on, on chapter two. Uh, but what I want to do is just uh, quickly summarize a little bit of what we talked about. Uh, since we had so much fun talking about sin, I want to come back to the gospel, right? And, um, and if, if you guys don't mind back there, I want to go all the way back to uh, Romans 1. Uh, verse 16 and 17. We'll just go back over those ones um, one more time. And so Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Okay, so that's what I want to leave us with uh, this evening. Uh, let me go ahead and close us in prayer, and then we'll, um, we'll talk about our questions that we can talk about in a small group. So, Lord, we, um, we thank you for just your tremendous love, for your word that's, that you've given to us, that's been handed down. Um, Lord, I'm just so amazed that this letter, written so many years ago, uh, still ministers today, because your truth is timeless. 
And the gospel is it's just so critical. And so, Lord, I pray that we would, um, we would be enlightened by spending time in your word, that we would understand better how great your gospel is um, and how much we need you. And that with, you know, the answer to sin, there is no answer other than the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, we thank you for the gospel. Uh, we ask that you would continue to reveal yourself in our lives. Um, Lord, as we sing, uh, you are the refiner's fire. There are things in our lives, Lord, that we need to get rid of, and you're the, you're the person to do that. And so, Lord, we want to continue to go to you and to have you shape us and equip us. And, um, and ultimately, Lord, we want to have this solid belief in you that we want to live by faith, that we know without a doubt that Jesus is the Son of God and that through you all things are possible. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, um, now I realized I didn't put the questions back there, did I? <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to read them to you, and then we'll probably just, we can just put them on the screen too. But yeah, if you don't mind writing some down. Um, so here's the questions I want you to, to discuss. So we've talked about just a little bit, right, about the gospel and how God has, has done all the work. And we've talked about sins, right? And so one of the things I want us to think about is, um, have there been times in our lives, you know, basically, have we tried to work our way to God? Has there been any part of your life where you feel like you've had to do something to earn God's goodness, right? So have you tried to work hard to please God is another way to think of that. And another question is, we talked about living by faith, right? The righteous will live by faith. So in what ways can you live by faith today? So if we take this as a, as a practical application, I want to live by faith today. What does that look like? How would I live by faith today? And uh, I think we'll go with just those two questions. If you, did you guys get that? How have you tried to work hard to please God? And in, um, in terms of living by faith today, how can you do that today? Right? How can you live by faith today? So with that, we'll go ahead and break into small groups. And um, for our friends online, we're going to wrap it up here. And uh, we're going to just rearrange here in the, in the rooms. So uh, we'll go ahead and, and coordinate that.